It's your girl, Marisa, and you are listening to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. What's up, Heard That Nation? Y'all have asked, and you've asked, and you've asked, and it's finally open. The Heard That With Marisa online store at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I got the merch. Finally happened. Swaggy tees, amazing hats, other kinds of different merchandise that I got on there. Check it out today. Thank you for supporting your girl. Uh, Fill up a shopping bag with all kinds of stuff. Give away as gifts or keep it for yourself. All kinds of amazing swag and merchandise. Check it out today. Heard that with Marisa.com. I appreciate your support. One of the amazing things that I love to do with my time, I love working out and serving in the community. And through that time, I have met some amazing people and I have met some extraordinary kids. And the one thing, believe it or not, that kids love and ask for is books. Because many of them I found that they, they absolutely love reading, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I am so proud that I've met an incredible man uh, by the name of Trevor Romaine, and he is an author. He's an illustrator that has the most amazing, amazing literature for kids and for educators and for teachers, as well as parents. You have to check out his books. You have to check out his digital downloads. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. If you go to TrevorRomain.com, uh, T-R-E-V-O-R-R-O-M-A-I-N, no E at the end.com. Check out all of his materials that he has, all his books, all his literature and digital downloads. You can save 15%. All heard that listeners. If you check it out, save 15% at the end of your checkout. Use the code heard that H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T and save 15%. You, I'm telling you what, it is some of the best materials out there that can help children and families become happier, healthier, and more confident. So use the code heard that save 15% off at trevorromaine.com today. What's up, heard that nation listening in the United States and around the world. You are listening now to the heard that with Marisa Tigney podcast. If you are watching right now on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. So you stay in the know of all the exciting and wonderful guests that I'll be coming on to this show. Like this wonderful man that I have right here. I am so honored to have Emmy award-winning executive producer Brad Bessie, who has had a storied career with Entertainment Tonight, The Insider, and The Talk, and is now a champion in the community as head of communications and talent relations for a nonprofit in Los Angeles 
called Project Angel Food, and I can't wait to dive into it because people that have listened to the show know that I love uh, when I have guests on there, they give back to their community. So Brad, thank you so much and welcome to the Heard That Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's exciting to spend some time with um, a fellow lover of the universe and humanity and right. I mean, I, I yes. think what we do is we go, just go through life and we really focus on love and spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. on cultivating my relationship with God and with others through um, trying to just be the best person I can be. So yes. it's lovely when I meet someone who is in your audience we're all on journeys, right? So if, yeah. if, if anyone is watching this podcast, I know just because of who you are and how you show up in the world, mm-hmm. that they are people who are journeys of really self-discovery and, and being of, of contribution to others. So um, it's exciting to spend time with you and your community today. I love that you had said all of that because it's a beautiful thing when you take yourself out of self and put yourself serving others. And that's why I was so excited when I was reading uh, and looking at your resume. I mean, you have Emmys from the three shows that I named, and and I want to talk about that a little bit, your uh, story career as a producer. Um, Tell me, what was your inspiration to go into television? Because I was that child growing up where restaurants uh was always my 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 thing that I wanted to do I wanted to become a restaurant manager and an owner and so every restaurant that I would pass I would put my name with the change out Burger King and put Queen Marisa or I would change McDonald's and put Mick Marisa's and everything else (laughs) drive my parents crazy and you know so I went and I studied but I always had people that you know in my corner believed in me and had some inspirations Mm. so for you going into television who was your inspiration or what was the, the passion, I say, of, okay, this is something that I want to pursue and I want to do? Well, sit back and here's the story. Yes. Now, I, I actually, um, I'll find my way through it. I'll try to be brief as I can be. I don't think it was something that I did have a lot of support for initially. Mm-hmm. I was raised in central um, California in a farming community. I was in the Future Farmers of America. I went to the state FFA public speaking contest my senior year um, and was going to be a lobbyist for agricultural concerns at the state level, I mm-hmm. thought. Um, and the reason why I think I had chosen that path is I had success along that way when I was you know, in high school. Um, and I really, early on though, I loved performing and I loved entertainment and I loved all things movies. I would go to, you know, a double feature by myself Mm -hmm. just because I loved entertainment so much. Um, but then my parents and other people who were all well-intentioned would say, there's not a career there for that right? Mm-hmm. There's not a career. So that was sort of embedded in me. There wasn't a career for this. There wasn't a career for it. It wasn't a career for it. Uh, and so when I went to college, uh, to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo as an agricultural business management major, mm-hmm. I think the universe has a way of, uh, of, of making sure that you're taken care of, right? So right. a girlfriend of mine in the dorm was auditioning for a play. She was nervous. She asked if I would go along with her and I did. And I ended up uh, you know, getting cast in the play and she didn't and she was <laughs> really mad about that. But um, it sort of reawoke in me an interest in the entertainment 
industry, right? In mm -hmm. performing in particular. Mm -hmm. I, so I loved it. So I did the play. And then also I, I though I'm very pragmatic. So I thought my like 18 year old self uh, thought, or 17 at that point, no, 18 year old self thought, well, I, I don't know anything about the entertainment industry. So right. I know if I did go into the entertainment industry, I'd have to live somewhere like Los Angeles where it's big and I don't know if I could do that. So I found, um, uh, I, I applied to pick up trash at Universal Studios. And uh, while I was there in the job interview, the, the woman said, now listen, why don't you put down here that you want to be a tour guide? And if they want you to pick up trash, they'll tell you to pick up trash. But, mm. you know, go for a tour guide. That's the job everyone wants. Right. So I did. And I ended up being hired. And keep in mind, I had just won a public speaking contest with 2,500 participants. Right. That's so incredible. I was, I, 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 but I didn't put, my mind was such, and this talks about the limitations we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. My mind was such that I thought I wasn't deserving of a career in er, entertainment. And that was so big and so beyond me mm -hmm. that I didn't have the skill set necessary to become a tour guide at Universal Studios. So, um, but once I became a tour guide at Universal Studios, it gave me a chance to get to know people who are still my friends today. And I um, ended up leaving school a year later and uh, transferring down to uh, Cal State Northridge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I chose my major of, of speech communications at that time because I say for that time because it's now changed in communication studies as the department, but right. at that point it was speech. Um, and I just wanted to treat it like a part-time job because mm -hmm. I just felt like I needed to uh, go to school. my mom and dad said they wouldn't give me any money unless I was in school so right, I right. really needed that money so <laughs> I went I continued in school and I'm glad I did and as I was doing my internship um, in with an entertainment PR firm they hired me as a full-time publicist um, two weeks into my internship and I mm. was off and running and I think that was because I I was given a campaign to follow up on Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't getting any results. And I, I thought about it. And I thought, well, that's not working. And here's what would work. So I went to my bosses and I said, guys, your campaign, what you're doing isn't working. Here's why, here's what I'd like to suggest. And here's why I think it might work. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, go for it. They didn't tell me that the client had fired them already. And this was a bonus month they were giving the client to try to make good for the fact that they had zero press on them in three months leading up to my starting to work on this campaign. That's probably why they gave it to the 21-year-old intern to do. But I ended up um, getting them CNN and the Associated Press, and I it ended up getting them a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, and so then that's when they hired me into the entertainment industry. So I think that that is a long-winded answer to your question. No, that's phenomenal because it's just like... Basically, it, to me, I, what I got from that is like you were kind of at the right place at the right time. Like you're at Universal Studios, you're picking up trash, and then mm. somebody tells you, "Oh, you need, you know, you could be a tour guide." And then it, it just it. I believe wholeheartedly that when uh, you speak something into the universe and and say it aloud, kind of like because I'm a big, big, big believer in doing a vision board. And, yes. and putting a vision board together. I mean, it drives my husband crazy because I got posters up everywhere else uh, all around our house. And so it's like a constant reminder to myself of 
when I say something and I say it aloud and I, I speak life to my vision board, and, you know, and I've seen so many wonderful things come to pass. And uh, from hearing from that story of how it started and it opened doors for you, um, was it a difficult road? You know, you got, you got, you hired, you know, to be a publicist and everything mm -hmm. else. And then, you know, obviously it evolved from there. Um, did it become a difficult road or was it an easy road to get to where you were at, you know, and you can talk a little bit about how you, uh, your journey to entertainment tonight and then the insider and then beyond uh, yeah. of that. Uh, let's see. I don't, uh, the answer to that is maybe. I don't know that it was, I, I never, um, let's see, once I became an intern at the entertainment uh, firm and then they hired me, mm -hmm. I never really applied for a job after that. So I was having lunch with a girlfriend who was booking the game show, Win, Lose, or Draw. Mm -hmm. And we're also narcissistic, or at least we were then. And she was saying, oh my gosh, I was going, oh my gosh, I'm they hired me as an intern and they're paying me as an intern, even though I now handle all these huge clients and I'm doing all of this work and I'm, I, I've got to make more money than this. And she said, well, you think you have it bad. My talent executive just quit on my show and I need someone who's good with celebrities and who's organized and who can, oh my gosh, sweets, I need you. And so I was off and running and became you know, a talent executive. And then some of my favorite PR clients said to me that they missed, said to their management, why isn't our PR what it used to be? And they said, mm -hmm. well, we need to work. You, Brad Bessie's left. And they said, well, can we work with him again? And so then I opened up a little boutique agency and still booked talent onto to game shows and talk shows. And then eventually the Lisa Gibbon show, John and Lisa came along and they said, well, you know, we'll make you our senior talent executive. Um, but we need you to like do this exclusively. So I did, and that was me getting into production. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, though, I noticed that I got that job over women who had, and, and no women, they were no men, I think that I heard was, were up for that job at that time, but people who were talent executives who were legends mm -hmm. that I had worked with and they were legends to me. Yeah. So so the fact that I would be selected to be this team senior talent executive over them made me think that my job, this job was very um, um, horizontal, right? So the, the part of me started just even putting it out in the universe or thinking about, there must be something else here. And then, so just thinking about that and not even knowing the, the sort of how it would come about, I mm -hmm. always have felt um, like I knew I would be hugely successful. Yeah. I just knew that. And so just getting my life to align with that vision of where I am mm -hmm. was uh, an interesting journey, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like when we're pushing and pulling and trying to make things happen, yeah. that's not the timing. It's all on God's timing or the universe's timing. Yes. But you have to have sort of that faith of a mustard seed that it's going to happen, that, whatever that yes. it is, right? Mm -hmm. So I felt like I just knew that this was... Um, going to happen. I just didn't know how. So my job became about listening to the universe and for those next opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, when I've made mistakes in my career, I feel that those mistakes have been because I've um, uh, been led by a greed or fear or a sense of lack mm -hmm. or uh, uh, a draw of prestige or power. 
are all of those things. When I'm quiet, I think about what is it that brings me joy and what can I contribute to someone else that will bring them the highest degree of joy in those in that place, then I can make decisions that actually are fulfilling, actually work for me. So in that particular case, as I was, uh, uh, I had made one of those mistakes. I'll tell you, I actually was um, there and the Lisa, John and Lisa show, it had become the Lisa show. I was offered an opportunity to launch another show for another studio. So I took that job and I was there because I thought it gave me a, an opportunity to be talent producer. Cause in my mind, in my limited mind, if I was a producer, then I was beyond a talent executive, right? So that's mm -hmm. gonna sort of uh, address that horizontal issue that I had, right? So mm -hmm. I joined the show, even though in my talking to them, it felt rushed, it didn't feel right. And on day one, I knew that it wasn't right. So then I, um, <laughs> but, in taking, but everything works together for good. Yeah. So in that taking that job, a friend of mine, Dan Gibson, was at the same time interviewing he at E Entertainment Television. He was had the uh, the director of talent overseeing all the casting of the talent for their host and the reporters, mm -hmm. and they had a position that was open for their uh, director of talent and development, someone to oversee all the celebrity bookings. And he was, uh, he thought that he could do that job. So he mm -hmm. was in an interview. He was there for about five minutes in the interview. He said, you know what, I'm going to take myself out of consideration because in this five minutes, as you tell me about the job, I keep thinking of my friend, Brad Bessie, and he's the person who should have this job. So I went and I interviewed for it. And uh, actually was able to to become the the head of talent and development at e entertainment television and while I was there I had crazy ideas like let's put Joan Rivers on the red carpet and have her do interviews with celebrities and it created a franchise for her you and you came up with that idea me down she turned me down three times what and finally I thought you know what I think um I I thought you know what, she'd do anything for her daughter, Melissa. So mm. I said, okay, what if we have you host with Melissa? And Melissa and I are good friends today. Mm -hmm. And so she agreed to do it under those conditions. So she was a huge success. We quadrupled the ratings. It became huge for E. It became huge for her. In fact, I would take the same red eye to New York um, that she did often, and I was I often traveled to New York, and so I was often on the same flight as her. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere over Kansas, she would come over and several times uh, say, "Hey, Brad, would you give this to your mother and be some of her custom jewelry?" She said, "You thank her for me." <laughs> so <laughs> really, really sweet. And before we leave, Joan, and then I, I will. Um, years later. Um, uh, shortly before her death, I was telling her what a fan I was of hers because mm -hmm. I used to go and see her workout material and I would sit there and I was such a fan that someone, she was eating dinner at a restaurant in Las Vegas and someone saw her and actually picked up the fork and brought me her fork because that's how big of a fan I was. Oh so my just, goodness, wow. I, I know, so I told her this years and years after having bringing her to eat putting her on the red carpet years and years after she'd given me all those trinkets for my mom yeah i told her that and she said i've known you brad i've known you for a decade why haven't you told me this before i said joan because i was negotiating with you i wasn't going to tell you what a huge fan i was of right. yours and she's a smart boy smart boy <laughs>
in her Joan voice. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like those are, so those are the sort of the roads that sort of opened up with a few diversions as I um, uh, made mistakes along the way. Yeah. Being sort of drawn by uh, the incorrect, sort of the incorrect things along the way, maybe mm -hmm. for me, but ultimately, uh, um, life has a way of self-correcting so mm -hmm. you're as long as you're diligently doing the work that you can sort of go along the, the path that you were meant to go mm -hmm. or if you decide to change the path or think that something's not working um, I think that once you get really quiet and you can hear a new voice in a new direction um, then then that makes new things possible as well yeah um, which my desire to to um, live a more meaningful deep life and to be more directly of service to others I didn't know that that would lead me to Project Angel Food but the work that I did to get to that point mm -hmm. was intentional and deep and I really had to um, let go of um, my of, of all the trappings of being a powerful producer in Hollywood mm -hmm. like I had to um, be come to terms with um, the fact that I had let my job define me in a way that that at times is embarrassing, actually. Oh my gosh, that's so good that you said that because I was going to ask you that of, you know, you, you're this established executive producer, you've won Emmys, you got your Emmys that are right behind you. And I have talked to numerous amount of friends when they have accomplished something in their careers. <laughs> and I've asked them, I was like, hey, you got this award, this is so great. Is this your, hey mama, I made it moment? Do you feel satisfied? And I will say, Brad, about nine out of 10 times, they'll look at the reward and they'll look at their career and they're like, something's missing. I should be doing more. I should be, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I should be doing more. And it's so good that you said that because I had to do searching within myself when I moved here to Texas, I wanted to do more. And I got challenged by a mutual friend of ours, Cheryl Action Jackson, over Minnie's Food Pantry. I happened to jump, jump on her feed on Facebook when she was going through the day-to-day -day operations. And so I put in the chat and I'm like, should all these people in here? She's not gonna see my chat. I'm, you know, I'm moving to Texas. I'm gonna come volunteer soon and everything else. And she calls me out in the middle of the live feed. Marisa, oh, that's wonderful, good. Well, you got two days to unpack your house and I hope to see you, you know, when you get here. And that was seven years ago. And I, and I love being part of that, that, that community serving others, it gives me joy, it gives me fulfillment. And I want you to talk about how you linked up with Project Angel Food. I know that Marianne Wilson, um, who I just think is absolutely amazing, and I pray one day that I meet her so I can tell her that, um, how you became a part of Project Angel Food and what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two things first. Let's go back to Cheryl Action Jackson for a yes. moment. Yes. Because I was executive producer of uh, the talk, and I thought as Thanksgiving was coming up, you know, we we just hit the ground running. Like literally, that's one of those things that I I I loved my experience there because I was given um, I was brought on board, and and I had sixty three days to get a show on the air, and I felt you know CBS, but I didn't have any structures no staff, no set, nothing. And I had- You had three days? No, 63 days. Oh, okay. To get the I was show like, actually incredible. on the air. There was no, <laughs> like they had, a, uh, they had a, a sizzle reel of, of a possibility, but I, it was really just working with really talented people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that 
it, it wasn't like working literally 16 hours a day to, mm. to bring this show to fruition and it was alive and it was going to happen, right? Right. So it had happened. We are on the air. Thanksgiving is coming up and I wanted to do <clears throat> something that was tied to giving back. And so what we decided to do was gift people um, something and, and, uh, and producers brought like incredible stories of people who are like uh, hometown heroes in a way, right? Who were giving back. And someone brought me uh, Cheryl's story. And on the first day that I heard it amongst the dozens of, of pitches I was getting of different people around the country who actually were doing meaningful things, I was really moved um, to the point of tears actually in the meeting when I heard the story. Mm -hmm. And not knowing whether I was going to um, have her on the show or not. Then and there, I pulled out my checkbook and I wrote a check to Minnie's Food Pantry and I sent it off because I said, I really believe in what this woman is doing. Mm -hmm. And she's become a, you know, I had her out. Uh, she ended up, you know, we met and she became a fast friend. And, um, and I just, I love her, um, in, in I, I love being around intentional people yes. who are always looking for the best in other people and mm -hmm. the best in themselves. Mm -hmm. And they, and they recognize that um, playing a big game um, isn't uh, Mary, talking about Marianne Williamson. Um, she used to say, um, it's like someone would say, who do you think you are? God's gift to the world. Like that's an insult. Mm -hmm. And to recognize, you know what? You are God's gift to the world. So if I'm God's gift to the world, how am I being that gift today? Yeah. So I think that that's your, your question of like how I came to Project David with Marianne Williamson. Um, I was a student of Course in Miracles uh, for about a year before I met Marianne Williamson. And I'm really glad that I had that foundation of the material before I, uh, started going attending her lectures and her yeah. prayer meetings that were at the time it was Marianne Williamson wasn't Marianne Williamson mm -hmm. I would go to a prayer meeting on Monday nights in her apartment in Hollywood right so she hadn't yet published um a return to love she had not yet <laughs> been on the Oprah Winfrey show mm -hmm. um and it was a really uh in the 1980s maybe 87 or so 88 there's a lot going on in the world, uh, a lot in Los Angeles. Uh, we were a lot of people, a lot of our friends were, were um, dying of AIDS. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I now say living with AIDS, but at that point, at that point, I was in a memorial service of just about a funeral every single weekend, right? And mm -hmm. my nights were being spent with uh, people who were dying in their hospital rooms. So it was a really challenging time. And for myself, um, I had always had a really strong connection with God, but I felt like that had been, um, that had been absent in my life for a few years. So mm -hmm. to be able to connect with my spirituality became really, really important at that time. And so, um, so Marianne Williamson and I, I would go, we would attend lectures, I would attend lectures, we would all attend lectures. And she was starting um, the first Center for Living. And then uh, starting Project Angel Food because people were um, dying of malnutrition just as much as they were dying actually living with AIDS. So that was a, like a side effect, if you will. And so we were all 
um, you know, it was despondent. The government wasn't really caring about what was happening, seemingly. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, we could either be in despair or we can be in hope. We could either give into this darkness or we could stand as beacons of light. And so we, we could look at someone and see them as sick or we can stand with a brother or sister and look beyond their illness and see their humanity and connect mm -hmm. with that higher vision of who they are, no matter what's happening on the earth plane. You're right. Don't you go anywhere. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast will be right back after a brief pause to hear from our sponsor. One of the amazing things that I love to do with my time, I love working out and serving in the community. And through that time, I have met some amazing people and I have met some extraordinary kids. And the one thing, believe it or not, that kids love and ask for is books. Because many of them I found that they, they absolutely love reading, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I am so proud that I've met an incredible man uh, by the name of Trevor Romaine. And he is an author. He's an illustrator that has the most amazing, amazing literature for kids and for educators and for teachers, as well as parents. You have to check out his books. You have to check out his digital downloads. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. If you go to trevorromain.com, uh, T-R-E-V-O-R-R-O-M-A-I-N, no E at the end, dot com. Check out all of his materials. He has all his books, all his literature and digital downloads. You can save 15%. All heard that listeners. If you check it out, save 15% at the end of your checkout. Use the code heard that H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T and save 15%. You, I'm telling you what, it is some of the best materials out there that kid help children and families become happier, healthier, and more confident. So use the code HEARDTHAT. Save 15% off at trevorromaine.com today. And welcome back to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. So we started uh, Project Angel Food. I was one of the first volunteers in a kitchen in a church. Uh, there were, like, I remember we'd have 60 meals. Oh my gosh, deliver today. Oh my gosh, we've got 70 meals. I remember the day that we hit 100 meals that we delivered in a day and just thought that was such a huge number. Project Angel Food now delivers 2,500 meals every single day to critically ill men, women, and children wow. who are dealing with uh, HIV AIDS, but also cancer and heart failure and mm -hmm. um, diabetes and kidney failure. Um, uh, Alzheimer's, just mm -hmm. a wide range of medical illnesses um, that we see food as medicine. And we're actually, it's amazing to me that nutritionists work with the chefs and they create a menu plan that actually sees food as, um, as healing. So if someone is dealing with kidney failure, they, do, they are given a meal that actually addresses the specific bodily needs that they have through yeah. nutrition. And what we found is, and these um, results will be published in, in, after they're peer um, reviewed, probably the end of the year, beginning of 2023. But just the, the just looking at the uh, research study we participated in 83%, mm -hmm. uh, we've reduced uh, hospitalizations by 83%. Some of those studies are 63%, but it's like huge. So mm -hmm. I talked to a, a client, Candace, who had been in the hospital every single uh, a month, at least a week, 
And after receiving this intervention of these medically tailored meals, she's uh, now only, she hasn't in seven months, hasn't been back to the hospital. So it's pretty amazing. So I think that the, for me to be attracted to Project Age Food initially was because I saw a need and it was what my community was doing and it was how I could be not afraid, but be a source of light. Mm-hmm. And then um, flash forward after a successful career in television, uh, feeling and wanting more time with my family and my son, um, deciding to go back to school mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> why? I don't know. I, I just wanted to get my degree because I was hired in this internship. So I thought right. like, I should get my degree. And then I fell in love with the conversation of social justice through communications and really breaking down uh, powerful systems that oppress people mm-hmm. by actually breaking that apart and seeing how they do that. And so we could expose that and then mm-hmm. actually be more empowered. So I I felt like I was talking to Richard Ayub, who's the uh, CEO of Project Age of Food one day. And they're heading into the 30th anniversary. And they said, well, he said, you know, what if we were able to bring you on as a consultant? Um, and could you bring some, attract some bigger names than we've had? So since then, I had Jamie Lee Curtis involved uh, and she continues to be involved. I love that photo of you two, by the way. Right. I, yes. I just think she's, um, I, I feel like uh, she's like us when you connect with her. And I don't think this is a unique experience to me. So, so I, I feel that this is who she is and how she shows up in the world. But I mm-hmm. feel like I, I've met a sister, like a connected sister, right? Mm-hmm. That, that she is so thoughtful um, and will text me on my birthday to say hello. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Um, but was able to create a space for Harry and Megan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex to come and deliver meals that they were able to, you know, be of service back in LA and do so just being anonymous until they, until they weren't, right. until photographers figured it out and chased mm-hmm. them around. And then we had to figure out more quiet ways for them to, them to be involved. But mm-hmm. just being able to use all of my experience and all of my relationships and decades and decades of doing this um, and producing, for example, we, we got an opportunity to, um, KTLA called us and said, hey, we've got a couple hours in four weeks. Do you want it? And we could, you know, maybe you could, you know, do a telethon or something. And so we said, yeah, let's do it. Right. And so in four weeks, I produced this telethon and got Kelly Clarkson and Elton John and Sharon Stone and all these people to, Annie Lennox to perform. Oh my gosh. So I was able to do do, <laughs> do that. And I, I feel like um, to be able to align my uh, craft and talent that I no longer feel define me, but I'm grateful that I have those skills mm-hmm. in the service of others in such a magnet a magnificent way is really just so exciting because um, I recognize my contribution to this organization mm-hmm. and and what it means. And there was, I was right after we did the first telethon, I was invited to launch a show for a um, <laughs> for a company, which I did. Uh, and in that six weeks or so, away from Project Age of Food, my heart was a little empty. And I, I felt like I was was missing something, right, by not being with them. And they recognized that there was a mojo that was, to quote them, there was a mojo that was missing without yeah. me, my presence. So I recognized that me being there was really important. And I think that that is the people who listen to your podcast will know, mm-hmm. uh, because they experience this on a daily basis, is 
I think sometimes we don't recognize our importance to the process of just interfacing with other people. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean, we think um, there's something going on and for whatever reason, we don't feel like being there. But I, I feel like if I, I go through life and I recognize that I make a contribution to everyone I meet, I have that ability to, or I can play a small game and be mad or frustrated or whatever and pull that back. Mm-hmm. So energetically, I can either support people in an interaction and make that the best interaction possible, right. or I, I can play a selfish game and because I'm hurt or fearful or insecure and pull back. Mm-hmm. So I recognize, we as spiritual beings recognize difference, right? Right. So what I recognize is my being present actually is meaningful. It contributes something. And so I just listen um, every morning in prayer and meditation to where I should go and what I should participate in and recognize the power in saying no for those things that don't align align with my purpose and values. It doesn't mean that the people who are trying to pull our energies are anything um, uh, nefarious or negative or dark or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it does mean that I have, I'm on a path and I need to sort of make sure I understand where I'm putting my energy. And so Project Angel Food, just having the opportunity when they reached out and it felt right. And then it's grown into what it is today that they've created a position, Director of Communications and Talent Relations. And we're up to some big things and it's exciting to be part of that process, right? Because the the need, a small example of how this uh, comes to be, like there is a, a need in the community. And I think it's a social, it's a whole other podcast, but I think it's a social justice need, actually. I think mm-hmm. that it's not an accident that 76% of the people that we serve are people of color. I think it's that the health systems are set up for that mm-hmm. disparity. The social, the, the economic systems are set up for that disparity, right? Yeah. So I feel that they are people who can't afford health care um, and don't end up getting healthcare until they're chronically ill and they mm-hmm. don't have anything to do except to show up to a doctor. These are the people who are going up for their regular, you know, I'm not going up for my regular, um, you know, well-to-do white person, uh, you know, physical. Yeah. Like, so, right, so there's a whole, um, I think it speaks a lot of the social environment that we live in and some Mm -hmm. of the isms that come to manifest themselves in a disparity that winds up with more people of color seeking Project Angel Food Services. So Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that we're able to be there for the gap, but that gap is what we really need to address and sort of figuring out how there's a better equity where social justice can actually just be that. But after that rant, uh, let me just say that, (laughs) that, um, that what COVID did was it exposed so much need, right? And mm-hmm. it's also made our services available to a larger amount of people. Mm-hmm. So once more people recognize that there's uh, services here for them, then more people are seeking those services. So mm-hmm. we're now serving over like 1.2 million meals a year to uh, like uh, 2,500 people a day. And we anticipate that that will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So where my participation is this is like people are seeing the need and I'm seeing instead 
well, we are actually rising to the challenge. So I'm seeing what the solution we can be. I'm seeing the wholeness that we can create. I'm seeing how we can rate that social justice wrong Mm -hmm. by being in, by expanding where we are. So it isn't like, uh, so that infuses this place that we are at it with a whole different energy, which is a hope and possibility, which is consistent with the very way that this agency was formed back in 1989 with Marianne Williamson. Right. I love that what you have said about Project Angel Food and what it stands for and, and what it is doing and constantly growing, constantly evolving, because the need is great. We're seeing that through a very difficult year of 2020, we're still mm-hmm. Two years later, we're still, I believe wholeheartedly, we're still in, the, in a difficult year, uh, you know, slowly turning the curve of things that are becoming better, but we're seeing a markup of food and different items that yes. I'm, I'm going to even speak upon myself that I took for granted, like eggs and milk and meat and all this other mm. stuff. We're seeing a 20 to 25% markup on those items alone where, you know, you can just walk in there, get a steak, it's like eight to $10. Well, now it's like 17 to 22 you know, and it doesn't come with a side or it doesn't come with a salad or anything yeah, else like that right. there. So when you are out there delivering these meals, Brad, and I know you probably got a plethora of stories in, in, in many of them. I mean, because I feel that you're giving a wonderful masterclass right now on this podcast about uh, community service and, and, and doing so many things for the community. What has been a person or an experience that you've had through Project Angel Food? It could be where you had, you know, you were with Jamie Lee Curtis or the Duke and Duchess of Sussex or whoever you had uh, be out in the community with you. What is an uh, experience that you had or a person that you had served a meal to that always just plays over and over in your mind that struck a, uh, just an impact inside of your heart? And I know, like I said, you have many of them because you're out there in the community a lot. Um, no, but I, one I, or several in particular that just, you know, just gets at your heartstrings every single time, you know, you think about them or a family or somebody. Sure. I, I actually think, um, I remember uh, when uh, Harry was delivering meals, he asked a client, do, do your neighbors check in on you? And the neighbor said, and the, the client said, no, I never hear from them. So I think that that was like such a great question to ask someone, right? So um, I do think of oftentimes that clients who are critically ill are, are invisible neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. Because they rarely get out. And so when I'm talking with someone, I think that I, I, what I love most about it is when I'm talking to Jeannie, who's this, has had a career as a jazz singer at different clubs. Right now she's, um, uh, you know, has cancer and she's living in her, you know, apartment. And so when we talk, it isn't about her illness necessarily, but she's able to connect with a version of herself that mm. isn't ill, okay. but a version of herself that remembers those fondly, those great days. And I, um, I will say that, you know, it is about, uh, you know, I, I deliver almost every week with uh, Lori Lachlan, who has become a good friend of mine. And I mm-hmm. remember seeing her pictures on the tabloid around Christmas, uh, I guess in 2020, over a year ago. And I, um, I was really, I don't know why, couldn't really explain it, but I was sort of moved with compassion for her and thought, uh, and I read something about her doing community service. So I reached out to her people. I said, listen, she probably already has her plan set, but if not, I think I could create a sort of safe space for her to do her community service here. And she did that community service at Project Angel Food and she did, she showed up and worked 10 hours a day and was 
done with it in lickety split time. And then because she giving back to the community and giving back to others is who she is, mm -hmm. she continued to volunteer. So we go out weekly to deliver meals. So we love, you know, we love that experience. People love seeing her. Um, and I just enjoy that, that process. And I enjoy being with people. And, and one day Lori, um, Lori couldn't make it. So I was on my own. Uh, which is rarely, and she has taken the route on when I could make it as well. So mm -hmm. I'm on my own. So I drive by and I see Elizabeth, who's a client who's 96. And she had, uh, her caregiver had just left. She had just quit to go get married. And she didn't have a caregiver and she had one starting in about a week. So she hadn't been to the market, she said. And I said, well, why don't you give me a list and I will go get you some things mm -hmm. from the market because I drive back by here on my way. Right, right. So text me I don't get a list I drive I finish my deliveries I don't get a list so I call Elizabeth I said Elizabeth it's Brad winner <laughs> where's your list I'm gonna go by the store I'll be ready at 11 she said I said what so I she wanted to go to the store so I went and I picked her up and took her to the store and at 96 she took about 50 minutes to go through and pick up seven items literally but she wanted to do it her on her own right and I just feel like I, um, it was such a gift actually to see her resilience, to see her spirit, to pr provide a space for someone actually to, to do that. Um, I just canceled my meetings that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything I had going on, I just became about like letting her be her and express that independence and have connection with another person. So we also, we say food is medicine. We also say food is love because I think that connection, being there for another and being sensitive to what their needs are in that moment, mm -hmm. um, it really is a, a, a lovely lesson to be quiet with what's going on in your head and sort of pay attention to, to what's happening for other people mm -hmm. and read beneath what they're saying and sort of tap into sort of a, a deeper place. I think we all have yeah. the ability uh, when we allow ourselves to really connect with other people. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of stories uh, from my my Project Angel Food delivering days. I absolutely love those stories. 96, and I love the resiliency. It reminds me of my grandmother. I mean, we lost her a few years ago, but she was always that independent, uh, resilient. You know, you just go and pick her up and she would take her time and go through each aisle, pick up only a few things, but, you know, just watching her and able to walk up and down the aisles and then look and price compare and you know, what she is going to prepare for dinner. And then after an hour and a half, you know, you're going to drop her off, but you can't drop her off because she's inviting you to dinner. So you got to stay and watch her cook right. and, you know, spending that time with her. And those are the days that, you know, those moments I will always cherish for a lifetime as you will uh, with Elizabeth, you know, that whole experience in the grocery store. To people that are going to listen to this and people that will be watching this, Brad, uh, and this will be my final question to you that, and I used to be one of those people too, that, you know, you had your full-time career and then basically 2020, we all got put on a timeout, couldn't do nothing. We stayed in their house. And that was a time for myself to reevaluate, mm. to sit in the stillness. What am I going to do next? And this, you know, was such an awesome blessing. This podcast was born uh, during 2020. And now that things are opening up and everything is somewhat becoming active, I believe wholeheartedly that 
people, and, and this happened with me, my, my whole vision shifted mm. of there are people out there that still have a need, even though that I may have resumed schedule, I may have, you know, got a full-time job, I may have, you know, done all this thing, and now, you know, everything is back to what it used to be, just a different you know, normal, where my challenge to people that I have con came in contact with is like, look outside yourself and mm. see what's going on in the community. And their response to me is, I don't have time. Mm. And, or I will, you know, where can I donate? Can I cut you a check? Okay, that's fine and everything else. I wholeheartedly believe, and I want you to answer this, that to be involved in something physically, to be involved in a nonprofit, to go and serve others is more of value than it is of just easily donating. And donating is nothing wrong with that. I don't want nobody saying that, oh my God, you shouldn't donate anymore. No, money is needed for many great nonprofits that are doing great things such as Project Angel Food, which at the end, I want you to um, tell people how to connect with you. But to those that are the, the ones that say, oh gosh, Brad, I listened to your story. This is so great and how you connect and everything else. I just don't have time. What do you say to those that have that as an excuse and encouraging them, whether it be Project Angel Food they can link up with or whoever, um, with their nonprofits in their community, how we can get out of that shift of, I don't have time to, I'm gonna make time. Or, you know, we all have the same amount of hours, same amount of time every single mm -hmm. day. How we can be active in, 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 instead of inactive in our community. Right. Um, this, this is a really good question. Um, first of all, I, I just want to acknowledge that everyone is going to hear something or act on something as their, um, as their evolution allows them to, right? So I think that when people write a check I, uh, and, and don't get involved, I think that they're missing out on an opportunity. And I do think that that is... Um, that is a distancing factor, right? So I'm going to, um, and, and as much as, and trust me, every nonprofit, whether it, whatever you're involved with, with Minnie's Food Pantry, Project Angel Food, um, uh, so many uh, people do need the resources. We do need the money, especially mm -hmm. with the inflation. It costs us 20% more per meal today than mm -hmm. it did 60 days ago. So money is good, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But as far as uh, of contribution, right? I do think that the opportunity that we have to get involved uh, is probably we're not acting on it because we're afraid. We're afraid of being vulnerable. Um, we're afraid of, of getting our hands dirty, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and we're afraid of connection. I think. Um, I do think that the more we're open to participating and the more we're open to connecting with another human being through service, the more valuable that is for us. Um, I think it's an illusion almost that there's a giver and a receiver. I, I would say that I receive so much for my volunteer working mm -hmm. um, than I do. And I do think it's um, I, I think that there's a quietness about just sort of rolling up your sleeves and getting involved. And there are, you know, people who have um, done it for for 
for decades and and whether it's with Project Angel Food or, or someone else or multiple organizations that they're involved with. Mm-hmm. There are several celebrities who work with us who who don't ever want to be recognized um, because they just want to keep it quiet and, and keep that service almost like um, as a, a something close to their heart yeah. that they give to another person, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think that you're if you're not involved, actually involved, then then you're the one who's who's missing out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I um, I'm never going to tell someone what they should do or what they shouldn't do, but I am one to tell you that there is a bigger opportunity. There's a bigger game to play because you actually can show up and and exchange a a spiritual energy with someone mm-hmm. and um and i think that because we're all connected the more we give the more we receive and i'm not just talking in the abundance of a material world but also of the spiritual world where we're able to sort of buoy and lift our energy and then we're lifting the energies of our families and they're lifting the energies of people that we're with and there's a greater vibration of love and connectedness that's going on when mm-hmm. we do that and then the world becomes a better place um, and and that's uh, that's just uh, ex- being able to experience that on a physical level um, I can tell you that if I'm in a bad foul mood which does happen mm-hmm. I know shocking but it does happen as soon as I get out of my ego and I always my joke is that I'm I'm a narcissist I always make it about me and it's it's never pretty like I'm always making it about <laughs> me and it's like never like I'm never good enough I'm never this enough I'm I, like it's part of my drive mm-hmm. but when I make it about me then it can only be that way, right? When I start making it about other people, then I'm able to get out of my own way and I'm able to start vibrating on a, a level that is actually going to be, bring me more joy and more peace and more happiness and more love because that's what I'm giving out. And it becomes this wonderful uh, sort of cycle of, of love. And I think that that's why it's, I always say it's an illusion that there's someone who's, who's giving food. It's an honor to give them food, right? So mm-hmm. I just, uh, when I stand in front of another human being, it allows me to be more vulnerable, more seen and more, and, and feel more value in and of myself. That's so beautiful. I love it. How can people stay connected with you and stay connected with Project Angel Food? Sure. I love my Project Angel Food. You can find them at angelfood.org. Uh, I sometimes have said .com, but that's wrong. It's .org. <laughs> uh, and then I'm on um, social media at Brad, B-R-A-D, Bessie, B-E-S-S-E-Y. So, and, and Project Angel Food is on, on social media as well. You can find the website or if you just look at, on at Twitter or Instagram for uh, Project Angel Food, you'll find them. This is why I call Brad a champion in his community. This was absolutely an amazing, beautiful conversation. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the Heard That podcast today. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I, I love this conversation and I, I love actually how we, isn't it a commitment that we make? Isn't it a commitment that we make? I make a commitment whether I like it or not, whether I'm in the mood to or not to spend time reading and being in, in, in silence every morning so mm-hmm. that I can align um, myself with my true values of, of giving and being passionate and recognizing my power actually comes from uh, being in sort of flow from the universe. So what does that voice calling me to do, mm-hmm. right? And that takes a lot of intention and a lot of aligning myself with people who are like-minded. So 
for the folks that are joining you today, they're people who are on this journey that you and I are on, yes. which is how do we get out of our way to become the best that we can be, to make the shine, the brightest light we can be mm-hmm. um, in the contribution of others. So I'm so excited that you have this podcast and I'm so humbled and grateful that you allowed me to be part of it. And you got to come back on. You got to come back on. We got, we got <laughs> so much more to talk about. Uh, that we didn't get to. So I'm just so, so excited that you said yes. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. And if you were watching, thank you so much. And as I always end the show, take care, stay safe. We out. Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast on Twitter at Lovely Marisa T, as well as Facebook on a social media page. Heard that with Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support.